I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to Clarity. In Clarity, we discuss ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. And today we have our special guest, Ryan Ajit. Hey, how's it going, guys? Real good. It's first time having him here, huh? No, it's not the first time. Uh, you may remember we had a series of Lake Junaluska recordings. And Ryan, were you the first one we recorded with in Lake Junaluska? I don't think so. But we did record with you. It yeah. was a great episode. and we were It was actually the best episode of all the podcasting story in the universe. No pressure. So, and then something happened. We, I went to your house and we podcasted a different episode. Yes. And then we were going to post that day. Yes. His episode. Yes. At the end of our podcasting, we discovered that all of my audio from that episode deleted. Yeah. Even just yours and his. Inside job. It was not an inside job. It was not an inside job. I'm a big believer in opportunity. And I think that what happened was it wasn't actually the best. And this is going to be the best. It's very optimistic. And also now we can small talk. So why are we going to talk about with Ryan? We'll find out after we talk about Mandalorian. This is the way. This is the way. So what do you... What was different about Mandalorian? Was it diff- what did, was a different point you expected? I had no idea what to expect. When I got Disney Plus, I saw it there and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and so I started watching it and I've always, I've watched all the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that you could say I'm like a diehard Star Wars, but I've always mm-hmm. loved Star Wars. However, I thought some of the stories in the video, in the movies kind of got old, like yes. with repetition a little bit too much. Uh, the characters were always good, things like that. But with Mandalorian, it it took it more to like a a different place. And the mm-hmm. story is just well written. It's well laid out, great acting, great directing. And I've I've fallen in love with it. And I'm just like, we need season two. We need yes. season two. Yeah. yeah. I think I, while I was watching before, I was like, Mandalorian. Like I, I remember Boba Fett or like Django Fett, I guess, if you if you like episode two. His dad. Yeah. And Actually, when I watch it, it got me thinking about like the whole Mandalore and the Mandalorian and everything. Mm. I was like going into like Wikipedia and just the, yeah. the, the everything, like all the details and stuff. It makes you actually root for him. And actually, years ago, like all the bounty hunters were like bad guys. But now it's like, is it really a, is there like a gray area or there's mm. potential for bad people to be good? Or... Or he was good all the way. Or, yeah, we're, or were we simply lied to? Or or the biases? Jedi bad people? Mm, that's, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. like Growing up, I just assumed America was right in all the wars we've been in. Yeah. And maybe won't be right one day. Yeah. But just, it, it's so nice living in a country that always gets it right. That's it's how I thought. It, and so, just, just realized, wait a minute. That's how I was taught. That's well, how I, things were portrayed to me. In the old Republic, Jedi's were fighting with, uh, siding, of course, with the Republic, but yes. it ended up being like Palpatine's Republic. Yes. You know, well, but even the, the Mandalorian characters, like the whole, I don't know if you call it a tribe or a clan or whatever, they were just for hire. And yeah, so yeah. they did who paid them to do yes. what they did. And I, one of the things that I love about the story is that they've built this backstory of where they came from and how. Yes. He yeah. became a Mandalorian. It, it helps you to identify with the character and what yes. he's going through and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think right now, if you ask me right now at this point, I'd rather be a, a Mandalorian than a Jedi. My lands. Yeah. That used to be unthinkable. That used to be unthinkable. 
I'm still would rather be a Jedi personally, but here's the thing. I think this personifies best in the child, not baby Yoda. He's not Yoda. We don't know the species name, but he's the child, right? So, I kinda, so do you want the child to become a Jedi or become a Mandalorian? That's the question, right? I kind of always felt like the force was cheating. Ooh. And the Mandalorian mm. just got wicked mad skills. So it's kind oh. of like Batman. It's kind of like Batman Superman thing. It is. You know, Bat, like they have it the resources is. and they have like the oh. Oh, yeah. It yeah. totally is. Well, 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 and I'm a both. I'm a Batman and Superman. All right. Personally. Like, See, I'm I, a Marvel guy, so I'm yeah. also a Marvel. You can like all of them. So you, you are all. You're all to all. That's, I like like, old, like Paul. I like old school DC, but I don't like the darkness of the new school DC. Oh, there's a lot of DC I don't buy. There's a lot of DC. Um. Anyway, yeah, like my obsessions with Harley go, Quinn. Let's not go too deep into the comics because we might just have a whole episode about that. Actually, like, let's change I the low topic. I want to start a comic book <laughs> podcast with Ruben if I can even read more. But uh, like you say, we should probably talk about the reason we have you here, which is not just the Mandalorian. But, uh, you know, Ryan, you're a, young, a youth and young adult pastor in Charlotte um, at the Sharon Seventh-day Adventist Church. You um, pastor your I guess you, is your title youth young adult or? I'm not sure. Uh, but when I, when I interviewed with the church to yeah. go there, I was in another district. And one of the things that, that really drew me into the role was they wanted me to focus a lot on young adult ministry. They'd had a lot of uh, ministries for youth already developed, but they didn't have anything going on for young adults. And they noticed that that age group was not really involved or not in the church. And so they were like, we want you to focus most of your efforts on that. And I was like, that's really cool. So tell us that story, like how that pan out, how has it been going thus far? Well, um, I actually was interviewed on a sabbatical that I took because I was on a spiritual low point. Like I was, mm. I actually was thinking about leaving the ministry and I mm. was like, I got to take a sabbatical and focus on my walk with God. And I just spent a huge amount of time in that sabbatical searching for God and praying and um, searching for the Holy Spirit. And it was just a huge blessing. And in the middle of that time, I got this call and I had three or four other calls that year and they just didn't feel right. And this call immediately, it felt right. There was, there was clarity there. It was like, mm. this is what you need to do. This which is, is the funny. way it is. This is the, this way. Is the way. And the funny thing is, is I actually, I spent like a month praying about it because I wanted to be sure it was right. And during the time when I sat down with the senior pastor to talk about the role, we sat there and talked for three hours because I wanted to make sure I was going to work well with him. And I, I, I went and met with uh, their staff and their board. And it seemed like it was, they were really open to doing what it takes to keep the young people in the church. And I thought that was just really powerful because I've always kind of been a person, like I'm very conservative in my beliefs, mm -hmm. but not necessarily my methodology. Mm -hmm. And I believe that sometimes you have to try extraordinary methods to keep mm -hmm. people in the church. And even Mrs. White said years ago that, before the end, we would have to try strange and unusual methods to keep people and to draw people in. Mm. And so I'm like, well, what are we going to do to keep these young people in our church or to, to grow the church through young people? Mm -hmm. And now you're pointing out something that there's, it's a big myth, you know, you, you don't have to be like open mind or, or like or liberal or conservative in order to try new things. Yeah. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter like what you're used to in terms of your way of doing church, you need to be open to find new methods in order to reach people that uh, may not connect to what we traditionally understand as church. Yeah. yeah. So Sharon Church as a whole is, it's not super conservative, but it's fairly traditional in their regular service. Mm. And actually somebody approached me uh, probably 
about a year ago. Yeah, I think it was November about a year ago. And they were like, hey, maybe we should start another service targeted at youth and young adults. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Hmm. And there's some reasons why, because I've experienced in the past when you create this separate space for them, that the the regular space then becomes not for them anymore. Yes. And so I was kind of against that, but I was also against it for the fact that I knew it was going to be an insane amount of work. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know that I want to work that hard. And uh, the interesting thing, though, was I was like, okay, well, let's explore this, but I don't want to explore it with the elders. I don't want to explore it with the Mm. older people. You know, they can have an idea, but if it doesn't matter to the young people, what's the point? Right. So I sat down with like 15 of the older youth and mostly young adults in their early 20s. And I was like, do you want to do this? Is there a point to doing this? I said, this is going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be points where you don't want to do it anymore. And it was interesting because we brainstormed and they overwhelmingly were like, yes, let's do this. Let's focus on reaching people of our age demographic that are outside of the church or that have left the church. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is really cool. And after the meeting, I went home and I talked with my wife and I was like, you know what? This is really cool because I'm almost more excited about being able to work closely and empower and disciple these young adults to run this church service than I am about actually doing the church service. Mm. And for me, it wasn't so much the way we do the church, but to interact this closely with people that I'm trying to minister to was just like, I was like goosebumps. I was so excited (laughs) about it. This is awesome. I think, you know, I follow you on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything. Follow you. I'm a friend on Facebook, but, um, and I'm so I'll see things. I'll see you put stuff for, for, um, I know what it's called. Pursuit. Pursuit. And the, you know, the lights, this and that. And it can seem to me like you're geeking out or getting excited about gear. Oh, totally geeking out. <laughs> you do a little bit. You'll admit that. I've, well, but, I've always been a gear person. So whatever I get into, I'm like, oh, what's this? What's the best? You know, when I get really geeked out into it. Yeah. But something that I've found is that, and, and this is something that I've had to wrestle with in this ministry is mm-hmm. like, are we doing this to entertain or yes. are we doing this to grow people? Yes. And even because I'm conservative, like I won't do a lot of things like say on Sabbath that a lot of people are comfortable with. Like I'm very traditional and and biblical about my beliefs mm-hmm. and I don't want to stray from that. Right. And so I have to wrestle with these things. Like mm. what is uh, biblical and what's not biblical? What are we doing that, you know, and is, if we're doing this, is it biblical or am I doing something that could violate what God wants me to do? And so I have mm. to wrestle with that a lot. Mm. And I also want to be able to teach these young people what's biblical. And so when I'm planning our sermon series and I'm planning what we're teaching and stuff like that, I'm going, how am I going to get these young people to grow and their understanding of the Bible of what's truly biblical and what we believe is biblical. And I've really wrestled with that. And because I don't want to lead them into just some other denominational experience or non-denominational experience. That's not what this is about. Mm. What what would you uh, mention? What would you think they're like the essentials for starting? Because when you when you want to start like a new movement or you want to start a new ministry, sometimes like you you feel that it's a hard test. It's, it's hard to start something. It's, by, the, it, by the way, I want to do a little preface. Ryan has started a major, yes. basically the major youth rally for the conference in South Carolina, in the western part of the Carolinas, out of Spartanburg. You started that before you went to seminary. Yeah, um, and then you start. You've got started the youth rally out of the Charlotte area and you started a young adult conference. So you started things. So I wanted to, I'll let you comment more on that, but Ruben asked again, but 
I'm yeah, like, what are the essentials? Why do we care about what Ryan has to say? Because he's started effective ministries and programs. And so you, you have that background, you have that experience that has worked for you. So that's why we're asking. Yeah. Go ahead, ask again. I forgot my question. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody wants to see a change from their churches, especially yeah. when it comes to youth ministry. Uh, it comes to be relevant. Everybody wants to. And sometimes it's, it seems like a daunting task. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what do you think is like something that you do need the most in order to start uh, effectively? Passion. Mm. So one of the things that I've seen is, you know, if you start something and you're not excited about it, you're not passionate about it, or you don't see a passion amongst the people, because you've got to, you're not starting a ministry for you. You have to start a ministry for somebody else. If you don't evaluate that, like if I start a ministry for me, who's going to come to that? Me, right? Oh, okay. So we have to do a little bit of, um, I guess you could say analytics and, yeah. and look into the people that we're trying to minister to and what they need. And, you know, it's really hard for a young person that's unchurched. And nowadays we actually have a lot of people who are not just first generation on church, but second and third generation on church, like their mm. parents and their parents stopped going to church. Even in mm -hmm. the Bible belt, this is getting more and more common. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what church is like. And so for them to make the step to go into a church is a huge gap. Like that's asking a big ask, like go to a place I've never been with people I don't know who have not experienced any of this lifestyle before. And the only church they've ever seen is like the Catholic church on movies. Mm. So it's a big ask. And I remember years ago, I went, me and a friend, when we were in high school, we went to go to a, uh, a Mormon church and we were like, just because we wanted to see what it was like. We we're like, what are these weirdos like? Which is complete, like I was a jerk in, <laughs> in high school. So we went in there just to kind of see what this strange religion was like. And we walked in and they looked normal. Mm -hmm. So we walked out. We were like, this is not what we were expecting. <laughs> so like- That's we all did, you were there for, a yeah, freak we, show. And there were no did, freaks. That's exactly what happened. We walked in and we're like- uh, these people are totally normal. They're not doing a weird seance or something. Let's just jet. So we like, <laughs> but that, that's the reality is most people, especially walking into an Adventist church. Right. What is an Adventist church? Like mm. they don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's like, not only is it just, is it not just church? It's an Adventist church. So it's another step further. So how do you make it a setting that they could come into and feel comfortable enough? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that some of our young adults uh, in this service and people attending this service, they've said to me, Ryan, we feel comfortable inviting people to this service. Mm. And you don't get that in regular church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times people are afraid to invite their friends because they're like, what if the pastor says something too much about Ellen White or what about this? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. you know, they're scared of the topic. Things yeah. they don't, we don't get that at, at pursuit. So it's by list. It's not the lights. It's not, the music, it's you've prayed and tried to listen. And the difference maker between, um, you know, that burnout experience you're having to this transfer is okay. And nothing against where you were before, but you're getting an opportunity where you can listen and better um, develop something yeah. for an unreached demographic, an underreached demographic in that church. Yeah. And uh, maybe what we should do is kind of define pursuit because we've not really talked about that. Well, yeah. basically yeah. what we came out of that meeting with the 20, 15 to 20 youth and young adults that we were talking with was mm -hmm. we're going to do a service three o'clock in the afternoons so that people, if they are going to another Adventist church and, they're, and they want to go somewhere else too, they can make it there. Mm -hmm. But also 
what young adult wants to get up in the morning to go to church. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. Like all the time when I'm in our main church service, I'm looking out the window at 1130. We start church at 1115, 12 o'clock. People are still driving in the parking lot and I'm going, that's a problem. And it's not necessarily like, okay, if they were going to go to a football team, football game, they would probably make it on time. That's the reality of it. Wow. But you know, we want a time where it's easy for people to get to. And I even know that the, the days when I don't go to main service in the morning, I'm like, I get up slow, I take it easy, and it's restful. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> so it's it's a really good time. But then what we do is we go there, we have a, basically another worship service, but it's based out of the gym. It's not in the church. So you're asking someone to go to a gym instead of a church. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the experience. Um, but basically, we're there to reach unreached people or people who have been disenfranchised from the church that are in that age demographic. Now, anyone's welcome. And they know that we have people there that are 65, 70, and we have people there that are four. So awesome. So I was thinking about uh pursuit and I think, I mean, how many, how many people, how, how's your staff? Uh, how do you build up like to, to make them do things or, or just to, to have the same passion that you have? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that, that I've seen is you, you have to, there's this term, give them the keys or mm. equip or enable. And what, what you have to do is, and this is one of the things that I've found has really helped in any ministry that I've started, whether it's the Alive Youth Rally with my buddy Kevin down in South Carolina or the new youth rally we're doing called Revive, uh, the Young Adult Conference, which is Awaken or Pursuit. What, what I try to do is I I find things that other people are passionate about and I give it to them. And I explain to my volunteers, like usually before a big event, we'll have a volunteer meeting with some of the core leaders, not just everybody, because there are a lot of people that volunteer that don't run ministries, they, but they help make those ministries a reality. So the core leaders, I'll sit down with them and I say, listen, if I'm giving you a ministry to take charge of that, that you, uh, I think you can handle, if you're there, like let's just say you're the, the ki- person that's managing the kitchen, I'm trusting that you can do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't give it to you in the first place. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to come in the kitchen and go, oh, we're not doing this right. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I, what I tell them is I say, listen, if I'm giving you a task, it's because I believe in you and I know that you can do it with excellence. And so I'm trusting that you can do it. So I'm not going to come in and micromanage you. I'm not going to come in and watch over your shoulder because I know it's going to happen well and it's going to happen with excellence. So I'm trusting you to do that. So I inform them right off the bat that I believe in their capabilities. Because I don't want them to think that I'm not trusting them or that I'm going to watch over. I want them to know that I trust them to do that job and to excel at it. And I think mm-hmm. that's super important because then they believe that you have faith in them as well. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing, yeah. uh, when it comes to like finding a new start, I feel that some people get scared because they don't have the resources. They don't have the life. You say passion is is good, but how how does that go in practice? How How do you put like your your passion in everyday uh, activities or like in order to build community, because you say that uh, people feel comfortable in your church, you know, and, and feeling comfortable is not only about receiving a lecture, you know, it's about feeling that uh, you're part of a family. And if you don't imagine that you don't have uh, the lights, you don't have the, all the beautiful gear that you actually have. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And in, a, in, in my church, for example, how, how can I make that happen and build community, community? So the first church that I was pastoring in, in Canada, um, when I started there, I started there as a student pastor and they wanted me to be there, be involved in their youth ministry. And I looked around and I said, you don't have a youth ministry. There's 
was literally like two youth that were involved in anything. Mm-hmm. And they, they were like, yeah, we want you to get something going. And I prayed about them. Like, Cause when, you got to understand when I went into ministry, I was like the most underqualified person. Like I went to my mm-hmm. classes and I'm looking around, these people are answering all the questions and I'm like, I just don't know. <laughs> and I took a test when I went to Walla Walla, they gave us like an entrance exam that mm-hmm. they also gave you when you leave. Right. And it was just, it wasn't to like tell you that you're awesome or dumb or whatever. It was to tell you the progress, like here's what you've learned. And also for the teachers, here's what we've been able to teach you through your time here. When I took the test, one of the professors sat me down and he said, Ryan, you literally could have done better if you were a monkey just randomly answering the question. So like I knew nothing. Like I was biblically illiterate. All I knew that God was God was calling me for ministry. So everything mm. I've had to do, I've had to rely on God. <laughs> and I saw these two young people. I said, okay, we're going to start with what we have. And that's what you have to do. You have to start with what you have. You can't say, okay, let's, you know, we want this great youth ministry. Let's go spend a hundred thousand dollars on gear. That's nonsense. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. So you start from something and then people see the momentum and or what you're doing and they believe in it and they buy into it. And so what what we did in that church was we had two people and I just said, let's just advertise that we're going to have a youth Bible study such and such a night. And those two people came. And for a while, it was literally just the three of us. And then mm-hmm. there was four and then there was five. And now I remember times with in Sabbath school when there was none before. Mm-hmm. And then before I left, there was like 16 kids regularly coming to youth Sabbath school. And I was like, this is, it's because of the dedication and the focus. And if, if, if young people know that there's something for them, it's a, it's a big jump from when there's nothing. So in starting a program, you have to start with what you have and you build from there. And when you see someone with passion, utilize that passion because you, you can teach skill, but you can't teach passion. Mm. Hmm. Wow. So Ruben's looking at me. Ruben, I mean, what, I've, been, what, I've been asking so many questions, bro. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I mean, I have so many more questions, but I think I think you may you're just so the moment I think I don't know where we're at with time. It's been so good having you, Ryan. I think we're okay. I think we're good. We're fine. We're, good. we're fine. We're twenty two minutes. Twenty two minutes. Wow. I mean, we basically covered it. So, young adult ministry is basically ministry where you're trying to figure out what God's doing inside of someone, trying to introduce someone to Jesus if that's necessary, bring them along that journey. And ultimately, ministry is handing people the keys. Yeah, Ephesians four twelve kind of stuff, where your call is to equip people to further and further take ownership of their gifts and passions, and then multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. You're the initiator versus yeah. the main executor of ministry. Well, and it does something great for people in their own when they see that you believe in them. Right. So, like. You know, if if I never knew that my dad thought that I was capable of doing whatever, like, for example, my dad was a, a cabinet maker, cabinet installer most of my life, and I would work with him. And he would just give me the drill and say, go put these knobs on. Well, if you put the knobs on in the wrong place, the kitchen's going to look goofy, right? Like either you have knobs <laughs> all over the place, whatever. <laughs> so he would just give me that and trust that I would do it. So I'd put my time and my effort in and I'd do it. And the thing is, is it's the same in any area of life. If you believe in someone, they feel enabled to do it. Mm. But if they feel like you're like, oh, uh, the last time I gave them that, it was in, you know, but you've got to instuve, you know, like, and even if somebody messes up, you can ensure that, hey, you know what? It's okay. I have not always done this well. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think you could do better next time? 
I don't, I try not to tell people what they, because people know we're not, most people, you know, we can figure that kind of stuff out. So it's about believing in someone and encouraging them maybe when they fall down or make mistakes because failure is only a learning step in the process. It's not, hey, you should drop out and just leave and go away because you're useless. That's not what leadership, leadership is about equipping other people to do what God's enabled them to do. Mm -hmm. And when you believe in someone and you equip someone, they usually will take those keys and run with it. And you'll, what something amazing is you'll see is because you believed in them, they'll believe in someone else Mm. and it grows that ministry. And it's not because like, I look back at the ministries that I've been involved in or that I've started. It's not because I'm awesome. It's not because I've done anything. Like I look at it and I'm like, wow, God, look at what you did. Like I'm always in awe of how God could use some guy like me to do something. Mm. That's amazing. It's like, uh, like when a Michael Scott says, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, you know, we're afraid. We're afraid of failure. I think I'm going Michael Jordan. I, I, it was Michael Scott. I mean, he, he, <laughs> I know, he I got that phrase from another person. <laughs> I, mean, I forgot. You know, I always heard it was Speaking Wayne Gretzky actually. Office, yeah, it was, I think it was Wayne Gretzky. The Office was a great show. Wayne One Gretzky of the greatest is. of all time, right? One of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, famous for being a New York Ranger. Mm, pretty All sure right. that is not. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big time Edmonton Oilers fan, so you can't take Wayne Gretzky. Me, when I'm he, sorry. When he left the Oilers, it was I'm literally sorry. one of the saddest days of my life. And where did he leave to go to? He went to L.A. first, and then, but everyone knows and remembers him as <laughs> the guy who New didn't York do anything awesome in New Ranger. York. <laughs> so. You talked about that spiritual journey and we've talked a bit about that professional development and I can sense that you got some spiritual, um, spiritual revival from that. But I mean, can you uh, share more of that story of how was that able to be resolved in you? Maybe it, you're still working on it. I think I imagine you still are to an extent, but that spiritual funk you were in um, before that, that transition Share with me what made a difference for you or how you're able to come through that. You know, the funny thing is a lot of people have ideas like, oh, I'm, you're a pastor. You must be good. You must have a good devotional life. Mm. And the funny thing is, is I did have a good devotional life. Like yes. I was reading the Bible, you know, for my own growth every day. I was praying and whatever, but I was kind of stuck in routine that mm. was, had become old to me. Like I was just do read the Bible cover to cover or. I would get up and pray the same prayer that I'd always prayed, like wake up and pray for the same things in the same way and whatever, basically repetition. I mean, it wasn't meaning to be repetition, but that's basically what it was. And, you know, it became harder to have a good devotional life because I was stagnant in my devotional life. And I think what was really happening was I was missing the Holy Spirit. Like Mm -hmm. you can read the Bible and pray and not be connected with God. Mm -hmm. And the big thing on my, um, sabbatical was that I searched for the Holy Spirit. Like the Bible says, and this is one of our theme verses for some of the ministries we do is Psalms chapter 70, verse four. It, when you seek me and search for me with all my heart, you'll find me. I think that may be misquoting it com- completely and that's okay. But the reality is, is that um, when I search for God, I'm going to find him. And so mm-hmm. I went out with this diligent thing to pursue God, to chase after God, to search for him, to um, I think the message Bible in that verse says, if you hunt for God, you will find him. And I like that because when you hunt, you go out and you look for what you're after. And I think that's the beautiful thing is that God's hunting after us. 
And if we hunt after him, we're going to find him. So I was like, I'm going to hunt for God. And so I went out and I just, I sought him with all my heart. And in that process, he opened doors and I began to have this beautiful relationship with him that now I'm like, man, I can't live without this. And it's transformed me. And my prayer life is different. And my devotional life is different. And it's because I sought after God. It's just the interaction, right? Like the story of Jacob uh, fighting with, with Jesus and just the wrestling, the idea of wrestling with God and, and wanting to have a personal experience. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And that, that reminds me, we just recently heard that somewhere, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that and Awaken. The, Awaken. Yeah, with, the, yeah. with Ben, he did a, did a great job. Speaking. Literally this last weekend, you know, um, wrapping up, for me, as we talk about ministry to young adults and being a young adult and me going into Awaken, um, what I appreciated wasn't necessarily like, the like I love the music. The music ended up ministering to me, but it was even just a shock for me how contemporary it was because I just had been okay, millennial traditional churches. And that's a joke between me and Ruben because someone at the conference had said something around... Um, yeah, like, you know, I'm still a millennial, almost as if like he wasn't going to be one anymore soon because he's getting older. And it's like, it was funny. It was like, like millennials will always be millennials. Well, that's the funny thing is a lot of people like, look at young, a millennial so, like you're 20 something. Yeah. You're a yeah and, but I'm like, we're on the extreme young end of millennial yeah. and, and I'm, I'm 27. Yeah, I'm 28. I was going to say, are you guys even millennials? I'm 28. I'm millennial. Yeah, I'm going to be 28 and on the 20th. See, so. I'm on the edge of millennial slash gen. gen z like i'm literally yeah. in the next like i don't know where gen i am X, kind mean. of thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my so anyway and so so you said okay millennial we're talking about how eventually yeah. we're going to be the old fogies yeah and, and we need to, and alphas and we're like okay millennial and we anyway, need to empower next generations we we, need, we don't need to uh, have the commit the same mistakes that our previous generations but you know it's interesting because i look at like as i get older i mean i'm not old but as i get old, at least i don't feel old you might think i'm old but I as, don't think you're old. You're, on, you're, on, the young, help, you're on the secret Carolina Conference Young Adult Pastors true. chat that doesn't exist. As I get older, HR don't listen to this. Um, I, I noticed something, and and I, from looking back at my past, is yeah. that the the youth pastors that really spoke to me when I was younger mm-hmm. was people that just believed in me, and it yeah. didn't matter what their age was. It mm-hmm. was that they believed in me, and mm-hmm. that's really made me see that I need to make sure that my youth and my young adults think that I believe in them. Yeah. Like at the conference, you had people close to my age, but also people that were older. And what ministered to me was I felt heard and listened to that. What if I went to a, something on, on, on relationships, I could share what I was struggling with. And that person who's a different life phase listened to me and spoke to me and believed in me and heard me. I felt empowered. I, Henry Johnson was, is around our age, but he was, it's always relevant to my life. It was made for me. Um, and I was able to connect with those who understood what I was going through. And it wasn't necessarily age. It's that I was being listened to and prioritized. And uh, also I got a break and I could be fed. So the moment of clarity I'm getting from this is that if whoever you're ministering to, young adults, Alpha, Z, by listening and understanding who they are and what their needs are and not changing anything of scripture or of teaching, but instead by feeding and providing that. I get that from your story too. Um, it resonated with me and I'm actually reading 
uh, starting to get to read that book that you said changed your life, the Steps of Personal Revival book. Oh, great book! Yeah, which we could provide links to because um, I think the which general is funny because it's not like some get, get it for you. You know, some people think that what we're doing at those conferences with the the lights and the music and mm -hmm. stuff like that that we're super liberal and whatever. But that book is like super traditional conservative. Yes. Yes. And you look at the book, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's something Pastor Ryan would read. But that's the book that that's helped what me you walk read. better with God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, ministry is not about boundaries and camps. It's finding truth and applying that and listening. And so I thank you for sharing. That's what I've gotten from you thus far from our conversation. Thanks for coming on. Um, what do you, you get from this? We're going to so, give you the last word after. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that the part when you say that you can teach skill, but you can't teach passion. You know, it's, it's we need to find that within ourselves and ask mm -hmm. God for guidance. That's my moment of clarity. It's not about what you can do, what you can bring to the table, but how how hard you want things to happen and how you want God to use you. Yeah, I, I think for me, something that stood out in our discussion and has kind of been a theme for me is it's not about the, the events. It's about the people mm -hmm. and the relationships. Mm -hmm. Relationships is ministry. Relationships mm -hmm. is where the growth happens and the power happens. Like, where did the most effective ministry that Jesus had happen? It happened working with his 12 that he mm -hmm. surrounded himself with. Not working with the 5,000, working with the 12. And so I think that that's key is that we need to realize that we, we have to be working with people. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming today, Ryan. Yeah, it was awesome. I, it fed me, and um, hopefully you'll accept the compliment like Ben Lundquist taught us to. And um, <laughs> so Revive Youth Conference is going to be July 31st to August 2nd at the Charlotte Convention Center. You can see more about that at reviveyouthrally.com. That's R-E-V-I-V-E. Y-O-U-T-H-R-A-L-L-Y.com. Tell us a little bit about that. Because um, it's going to be a huge deal. Yeah, we're, we're really stretching uh, to reach out further. We want this to be evangelistic. We want it for Adventist young people, but we want to reach out. We want to spread the gospel. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, that the message needs to go to all the world and then the end will come. We need to share that message. And so we're really striving to get young people there. We want to have 2,500 young people there. So we're bringing in some professional, like A-class Christian musicians, some great speakers. And right now the website is not yet updated, but watch in the in the weeks to come because sure. by, I, I believe in March, we're going to launch ticket sales for that event. Um, so you okay. want to keep an eye open and we'll announce slowly who the bands are, who the speakers are, things like that. So it's going to be awesome. Cool. And I'm looking forward to that, Ryan. I've, when we talked last time, I'm not sure if we'd podcast, but you have something going on where you're trying to make an event that's going to be outreach based and going to, it's not a in reach. Oh, let's make the young adults entertained, but, or the youth entertained, but let's do something that's going to open that people more people will be receptive to that can help us introduce transformative gospel to and that's something i think more of um awaken young adult conference you can find out about that and the next dates which are still pending at awakennc.com a-w-a-k-e-n-n-c.com and you can connect with us at clarity podcast clarity underscore podcast on twitter at fb.com forward slash clarity podcast Great review on your favorite podcatcher and social media outlet. 
And uh, look for us on Apple or any of your podcatchers at uh, Clarity Podcast is what you need to look for. Thanks for giving us the opportunity of being part of your life for this episode. Stay tuned in two weeks for the next one. I'm Rich. I'm Ruben. And this was Clarity, episode 21. <laughs>